Peace be with you. I want to tell you a secret. Seniors, I'm speaking to you with this secret. So if you would do me a favor and not tell any of the other youth or children, I would appreciate it. This secret is one that is held communally by this family of faith. For the last 18 or so years, and truthfully for many years before that, we have all been working together, mostly, to form you into the people who will carry the faith of our ancestors to the people who will call us ancestors. Almost every adult in your life has been in on this plan. I don't know all of the adults in your life, but I do know many of the adults here in this church, and I have had many conversations with them about this very thing. Did you know that there are full committees, plural, with adults of all ages whose only purpose is to think about your formation? All of these people gathered in the sanctuary and on the live stream, dreaming, imagining, praying, and working together to see that you are formed in such a way that when your moment comes to lead and carry the mantle of Christianity to the next generation, you are ready. In the reading from Acts this morning, two of the disciples of Jesus had recently been met with a moment where they had a decision to make. Peter and John were going to the temple to pray and when they got there, they met a man who the scriptures tell us was lame from birth. The man asked Peter and John for some money. They had a conversation with the man and told him that they did not have any money. But then they spoke to the man in the name of Jesus, and they told him to get up and walk. And he did. This event led to preaching, and the preaching led to a lot of people, 5,000 of them, if the Bible is to believed, who believed. And somewhere in the midst of all the preaching and believing, Peter and John were arrested. This is where today's lesson picks up in Acts. Peter and John were brought before the religious leaders of the day and asked, by what power or by what name did you do this? This question could have been asked out of curiosity or interest. It could have been asked out of awe or appreciation. Instead, it was asked out of jealousy perhaps rage. These leaders saw their influence fading, and they saw that their influence was being gained by what must have seemed to them rival religious leaders. They were operating out of a mindset which viewed the world and people and all that was in it as though there was not enough, as though the resources available were scarce, 
And anyone gaining resources meant that someone was losing them. But Peter and John had been formed to see the world differently. They were beholden to a master that had once given them instructions to take nothing for your journey. No staff, no bag, nor bread, nor money, not even an extra tunic. The same master famously told a group of lawyers that the second greatest commandment in all the Bible is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. It is, of course, no surprise to us that the disciples of Jesus would see the world through different eyes. Jesus, who had the benefit of being both fully God and fully human, also had the benefit of knowing that the world in which we live, the world which was created with words, is not a world of scarcity, but a world of abundance. It is only in a world of abundance where we can hear and know the question from today's epistle reading. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses to help? Because of the ways in which we have been formed, we can know the answer that will come even before we read it. Little children, let us love, not in word or speech, but in truth and action. Just like we have all been conspiring to form you seniors, Jesus worked hard to form his disciples so that they would be able to see this man asking for alms and not be deterred by what they lacked, money, but be able to perceive the abundance that they had and offer him help, even though he had asked for something different. So when the council of religious leaders asked them, by what name did you do this? The disciples were ready with their answer. Before the question was finished being spoken, before the question had ever been asked, even before they had encountered the man whom they had healed, resulting in their arrest, they knew the answer to the question. They knew they would say to the council and anyone else who asked, by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom God raised from the dead. Betsy, Jeremiah, Andrew, Milton, Hawthorne, Kaylee, Kimberly, Sarah Beth, Rosie, Katie, Gibson, Katie, Lafleur. The community of faith that is Northminster has been conspiring to form you from before the first time you ever came into this space. Betsy Ditto and Annette Hitt were ready in the nursery and waiting to receive you and wrap their loving arms around you. Many of you were walked down this aisle right here in Pastor Poole's arms as we all as a community of faith promised to share in your growth, and then in unison told you and your parents that you belong to us as well. 
Amy Finkelberg and Leslie Ratcliffe and Holly Wiggs between them rallied a fierce cadre of Northminster adults to steer you through Sunday school, atrium, children's worship hour, girls of grace, guys four, five, six, and Bible camp. Stephen Fuller, Rebecca Wiggs, Christian Bird, and Ginger Parham offered opportunities to join in your adolescent formation by joining Dabs and Woody in the youth house on Sunday nights, or Kelly Williams Jr., Neva Eklund, Chris Wiggs, Brian and Christine Bridges, Ken Cleveland, Doug Caver, and Pastor Poole, and teaching you in Sunday school. Still more people in this room and in this church have hosted you in their homes, on their yards, in their pools. Others have provided meals or transportation or coached your basketball teams. And even more, have prayed in rooms all throughout this church and even in the private spaces in their own homes for you, for your formation. All of these people, all of these programs focused on the hope that one day when you are faced with the situation where doing what is right and doing what fits well socially, culturally, and legally are not the same thing, that you will choose what is right. The goal of all this formation is that when that moment comes, you will instinctively sit down with the same person whom Jesus would have. That you will stand up for the same person whom Jesus would have. And that you will stand up against the same person Jesus would have. Sometimes, Doing such a thing will result in various forms of the question that was asked to Peter and John. The question might sound like, why would you do that? Or, don't you know that's not how we do things around here? Or, are you sure that person is worth it? By what name did you do this? The type of formation into which we have all conspired to mold you and our ancestors before us conspired to mold us is the type that also has a ready answer. By the name of Jesus, whom God raised from the dead, it is a type of formation that has prepared us to answer, let us love, not in word or speech, but in truth and action. This type of formation names the risen Lord Jesus as its cornerstone. It is because of Jesus, the one who stood against social custom, cultural practice, and even at times against the law of the land, that we can live and grow into this form. For Jesus sat down with and stood up for the persons in the most need. The persons who social custom and cultural practice and the government were leaving behind. And Jesus had some pretty harsh words about how we treat these people. You remember them, of course, in Matthew 25, Jesus says that 
just in the same way that you treat the least of these. That's just how you've treated me. Eighteen or so years of conspiring have brought us to this day, where we as a church body look at you seated here, confident that you have been filled up with all that you need to respond to each situation in such a way that someone might ask, by what name do you do this? Further, we trust that you are ready to answer them. But there is another secret that is hidden in this conspiratorial practice of formation. All of those people who are the really the people who are sitting behind you with tears of pride in their eyes, all of those people, because of their commitment to your formation, have entered into relationships with you. And relationships are tricky. Because in relationships, all parties are subject to change. Which means that in this journey, each person who has engaged in your formation, each person who has conspired to influence you and shape you into the person you have become, each of us has been influenced by you. It's true. You have already been a part of the formation of this community of faith, just as much as Northminster has been a part of your formation. Because of your presence, your question, your commitment to this place and to each other, we as a community of faith are better able to respond when we encounter situations which place us in the space where what is right and what is socially, culturally, and legally appropriate do not align. And we are more ready for the question, by what name did you do this? LaFleur, Katie, Gibson, Katie, Rosie, Sarah Beth, Kimberly, Kaylee, Hawthorne, Milton, Andrew, Jeremiah, Betsy. As you go from this place to all of your new places, go knowing that this community of faith is continuing to conspire about you, for you, with you, as you continue this journey into the abundant life that Jesus has declared for us. We cannot all go with you, and you don't need us to. I imagine it's even possible that some of you might not want us to, but you are ready. You are ready to lean on Jesus. You are ready to draw forth from the abundance that Jesus has provided you and all of us to live your life in such a way that those who don't know you might see you and ask, by what name did you do this? Amen.